0: When hypnotherapist and professional counselor Mary Rodwell was approached by a man and told that he needed to come to her because nobody else would take his unusual encounter seriously, she realized that there was an extraordinary area of the human experience that needed to be addressed. Well, 3,000 clients and over 20 years later, Mary has made her mark in the uncharted territory of regressing and counseling individuals about their ET experiences, as well as other anomalous encounters. In this otherworldly discussion with Mary, we take a look at a case that I recently discovered, that of a woman regressed nearly 30 years ago, who discovered that a previous life may have been lived as a non-human being. The details of this account are extraordinary and mind-stretching to say the least, but Mary had a lot to say about this unearthly encounter that she feels may be happening a lot more than we think. Well, Mary Rodwell, I am so thrilled that you've agreed to talk with me about an account that I'd recently published about a truly remarkable story, I've got to tell you. This is the testimony of who who we'll refer to as Kimberly. This is not her real name. And this is a story about her journey back to a, quote, previous life in which it was revealed to her that she may have lived a lifetime as an extraterrestrial being, an ET being. Now, this is a woman whom I've known casually for several years. She's a day spa owner here in New England. And somewhat serendipitously, while she had been sitting with me, We got into a discussion about extraordinary experiences. Somehow people tend to like to tell me their their stories. And, you know, it's funny because she didn't have much knowledge about my background as a metaphysical researcher, Uh, but she found herself telling me the story of when she was regressed. Almost 30 years ago, this happened. So, of course, I immediately wanted to capture her story in its entirety, uh, and that's finally happened. And, you know, Mary, it's taken me nearly a year and a half to get her to fully agree to go on record. But we finally had the opportunity to get her full testimony at the end of last year, about a few months ago. So, having been somewhat familiar with your great work in this regard, I wanted to reach out to you to see if you'd be game to take a look at this case and share your thoughts. So, again, thank you so much for agreeing to do so, and welcome to the show.
1: It's a pleasure, Alexis, and good morning from Australia.
0: Yes, all the way from Australia. <laughs> I believe we're fifteen hours ahead, so we're. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm in uh, your future. Yeah, that's you. you absolutely, are. <laughs> oh. Well, I know that you're somewhat familiar uh, with the case. In fact, about a month or so ago, you and I had the opportunity to discuss some of the details of Kimberly's case. And in fact, I know you've read her account and were kind Mm. enough to offer some initial thoughts. And just uh, for the audience, so you know, we've provided a direct link where you can read Kimberly's full account, long account, which is in two parts. But Mary, what I'd like uh, you to do is maybe first give us an overview for those uh, in our audience who may not be familiar with your great work. Uh, an overview of your research and findings uh, in this regard, and then maybe offer up some initial thoughts on Kimberly's case in particular.
1: Well, my my work from from being a a professional nurse and midwife over a number of years, I went into counselling. And it's during counselling that I came across some really interesting cases, as you do when people start to tell their stories and share their lives. But it was when a gentleman came to me and said, look, I've heard you're open-minded. There's no support groups for this. For this, they just think you're a loony. Mm -hmm. And this gentleman proceeded to tell me that he believed he was going up on spacecraft. His partner was waking up with marks on his body, shaved areas, etc. And the the story was extraordinary. But the gentleman appeared to be very balanced, very articulate. And fortunately, being someone who has always been a bit of a seeker like yourself, Alexis, in the sense that if it's weird and wonderful, I'm interested in it because it's (laughs) it's one of the mysteries, you know. And I grew up with a a mother who was very encouraging of anything that was strange, weird and wonderful because she loved all of that. Mm. And uh, despite a very conventional religious background, she was very open to, you know, everything to do with spirits and, you know, what we call the non-physical world. So I've done a lot of research into looking at out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. And because I also trained as a hypnotherapist, I was getting people coming to me who wanted to explore past lives. Mm -hmm. So that was my introduction to something that contradicted my religious upbringing, which said there was no such thing as reincarnation, Mm -hmm. I was discovering whether you believe it or not, you can experience them. So I would be taking people into either out of curiosity or because they had a strange phobia that they couldn't understand. It could be one of water or heights or something like that. And we would discover that the origin of it would be not in this present life, but in another uh, lifetime. And, and this brings me a little bit to my work, not only with people who have extraterrestrial encounters, and I've worked with over 3,000 now mm. over 20 years, um, written a book called Awakening, which is all about waking up to your experiences and whatever. Hundreds of regressions of people who have gone into other lifetimes where they have not been human. And this is actually now very much par for course for me, is that when I speak to uh, individuals and say, I've always had a feeling that I'm not from here, that I come from somewhere else, and I've always felt different. Um, and I've never really understood how, why things operate the way they do on this planet. And, and many will say, I think it's really very primitive down here, you know, on this planet. I really don't, um, it doesn't make any sense to me. And there's this deep, almost longing mm-hmm. for home, which isn't, which isn't planet Earth. And, you know, they've gone back and they've explored planets where they have seen themselves in other forms, from being just energy to being a, men- a huge range of different forms, from, you know, humanoid to blue beings to, i they say, energy beings to um, reptilian or um, lizard-like beings to cat beings. I mean, wow. there's a whole range, mantid beings. So when you you know gave me this account to read of this beautiful lady who'd had, out of curiosity, an experience where she saw herself as non-human, um, that was actually, yeah, all right. So you know, it's um, not unfamiliar, not <laughs>
0: unfamiliar to you, and that's exactly why I wanted to reach out to you. I had a feeling it would there would be a tinge of familiarity there. So continue. This is this is great. Yeah.
1: So um, to me, and what is fascinating too, even and I meet so many people that are not aware that they have a connection to other places, to other uh, other planets or whatever, uh, but have always felt different. Always felt almost like they've been adopted. Um, because they've never felt the same as everybody else, and had knowledge and awareness, a deep knowledge and awareness of somewhere else, where they feel they're, they're from, but have never put the pieces together, never just thought they were just a bit different or maybe a bit strange, and maybe they didn't even want to look into it, because people would start to think they were crazy, which yeah. is a standard one. As soon as you start, you know, stepping out of the box and imagining or feeling different to what you think everybody else feels, then, you, you know, you, you, you can't go there, because... You know that's that everybody says that's the, that's the first step towards becoming mentally or, or um, you know unwell. So a lot will dismiss it, and it's interesting that sometimes it's through um, something like this that a person will discover there's another part of themselves that they never really fully understood. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting here is, as I you know I read her story, there were so many indicators to me that she was what we would call a star seed because she'd had sightings. Mm-hmm. She'd actually seen things in the sky. Um, there were other things that she was mentioning that she'd never quite fully understood, which as a researcher of how contact happens, and there are all sorts of different patterns to this, which anyone who looks at my questionnaire on, on my website yeah. will see, mm-hmm. they don't realize, they don't put two and two together because they don't know that they can. They don't understand those feelings they had as a child, perhaps, and some of them will be very uh, psychic, you know. They will sense presences around them or wake up at night and yes. not being able to move. And mm-hmm. all of this stuff will not realize that this is such a common pattern wow. of, in, you know, experiences with other worldly beings, whether or not, you know, you see them as extraterrestrial, and some of them certainly are. Some of them are spiritual beings, you know, those spirits that have passed on. Some of them are interdimensional. Some of them are extra dimensional. So um, it's, there's a whole range of, of uh, ways that we interact in, a non, in the non-physical realm, and this lady is absolutely. Um, there are so many indicators mm-hmm. in her story. It was it, I just had a chuckle, to be honest, as I was going wow. through, it, thinking, "Yep, yeah, yep."
0: Yeah. Yeah, here's, yeah. Another here's another one. another Well, you know, I, I have to tell you, Mary, that uh, when we finally sat down, and this was, you know, quite a while, I think we probably did a, a good two, three hours of discussion. Mm-hmm. But before we even got to the actual regression experience, uh, you know, there were other stories uh, coming out in this lifetime, that like you, I thought, aha, here's, here's a little bit of an epiphany or an indicator that there may be once she gets into this, obviously, I knew, I knew roughly the story, uh, initially, when I met or I just didn't know it in its totality. But, you know, we want to talk about, and I, I do talk about s- several of these incidents, including uh, UFO sightings, psychic abilities, and a dream experience that she had roughly a week before she sat down with me to give me her testimony. I want to talk about that for a minute, if we may. Mm. Um, mm. Now, without going into the details of the experience right now, again, this is part of the the testimony that I got that's published. Let's just say that her dream encounter was explicitly recalled and left her with a sense of understanding about non-human entities and their role on this planet, that they may walk amongst us right now. Um, I don't know if if you recall what her thoughts were uh, or what she had actually said about this dream experience, what it revealed to her. Essentially what happened was she had dreamt Let's see if I can give a little bit of a thumbnail. She had had a dream that she was in a uh, sort of like a temporary hotel with her family, with her children. And it was a rainy uh, day or rainy evening, I believe. She was in the room, she had a balcony, and she looked out on the balcony and saw these beings. They were dressed in, uh, she couldn't make out features, but she noticed they were wearing sort of black raincoats and they were very sort of uh, looking lethargic and not uh, really moving around that much moving in different directions maybe uh, three or four of them and um again i don't want to get into too many of the nuances because there's a lot of detail but the, the the net of it is they she she seemed to have a remembrance of some sort in the dream that they she knew who they were and it seemed like they were trying to come into her room although not forcefully it seemed like they needed her permission Here's another little interesting tidbit. She did not let them in, of course. Uh, but fast forward, when she woke up from the dream, she went to her husband, who obviously knew nothing of the dream, and said to her husband, now I know who they are. Well, her husband said, "What? you know, who? who is? What are you talking about? This was impetus for her to remember uh, in her waking life that she really feels that beings that are not human may be walking amongst us now. We're going to get a little bit more into that later. Uh, But I wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, initially before we get started in the regression.
1: Well, what I I say to many people that are questioning whether they've had any um, experiences, and they'll say, but I've had a lot of strange dreams. Mm -hmm. And these dreams will often be very classic. And they will actually dream they're being taken somewhere into a round room or they've been taken to a planet um, or such as this lady, um, very clear dream, and in a great deal of detail and that is the clue because in normal dreaming, most of us, when we wake up, really struggle right. to hang on to the dream any kind the, generally there 's very little detail um, there's there 's a kind of haziness about it, and you know you may have a feeling around it, but other than that, you know and it might be something you really want to hang on to because it was interesting or something really nice. And try as you might, as soon as you become out of your dream state, you cannot hang on to it. It's like, you know, it just, poof, it's gone, you know. Now, what's fascinating about this and the, the different kind of dream is the one that's remembered. And she's remembered it in huge detail. Yes. This is not a dream this is an experience and that's the difference mm-hmm. because when you hang on and I've had people tell me a dream so-called dream they've had years ago years and years ago and they still remember it in detail well sure uh, yeah. you know and my my answer to that is that's not a dream that is actually telling you something about some kind of experience and it's 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 very, very clear that it, it you know, um, and, and everything that she's saying there about not letting them in, beings, um, it, shadows, all this kind of thing is very classic to what I would call an ET experience where there will, you will remember some of it and there will be, to a certain extent, a screen so you can't see them clearly because part of your fear doesn't want to see them clearly anyway. Mm -hmm. So you you will create as much as you can handle. The fact she woke up feeling the way she did gives it a tangibility apart from the fact of the detail itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Well she said she was certainly frightened by this. Now in mm-hmm. contrast once we get into the the actual regression experience uh the beings that she uh sh- that she was uh, with in the regression she was not afraid of. However, in this particular experience mm-hmm. she was. I mean there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh assessments that we could we could get into why that may be. She was absolutely frightened to the point where she said after she woke up from the dream, she recalls she had to go to the bathroom and she was so afraid she was afraid to get out of bed. So she said, I waited. I I waited for my husband to get up and I, I figured I'd just follow him. So I mean, it was one of those things where it was just it left this indelible fear, memory, but also a bit of fear. Uh, So yeah, that, and again, this is one of quite a few uh, curious experiences that we're going to get into. But I want to, I want to get into the regression because this is where, of course, the crux, the meat of it is. Now, as you know, uh, Kimberly was regressed at the age of 24. She's now 52. So this is nearly 30 years ago at this point. And yet, as she relayed the experience to me, there was such a sense of emotion and animation. As she's telling me the story, she's recalling the experience. Similar to the dream account we just discussed, it seems there is, again, this indelible mark that's left on the part of the experiencer when they are remembering their encounter experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could elaborate a little bit of your thoughts on that, especially in terms of the emotion animation that she uh, conveyed as she had you know she's recounting Mm. something that happened almost 30 years ago
1: that in itself is giving you a tangibility Mm -hmm. if it is something is a dream or a hallucination or a fantasy or imagination you don't have uh, the emotional um if you like pressure point with it The fact that there was so much emotion in itself is evidence of its reality, even if you didn't take it any further than that. And that goes with, you know, I've seen many with past lives who think that, oh, well, it still must be in my imagination. Mm -hmm. And, And yet, at a certain point depending on what they're remembering or what they are experiencing, there may be huge emotion, a huge um, uh, reaction to what they would prefer to believe is their imagination. And you don't have that reaction to a fantasy. Mm -hmm. You only have an emotional reaction if there is something profound that that you are tapping into.
0: Very interesting. Well, again, remember, I I feel like I I did a regression once removed. I think you could call it that because I didn't regress her. This was just the recollection of the regression. So keep in mind that during the regression, there was a certain part we're going to get into this where she literally uh, started crying. um, And that's on tape. Um, And yet, once removed here she is almost 30 years later recounting that same part of the experience and almost she didn't cry but again Mm -hmm. got emotional so it's very very interesting you know let's get into the granular a little bit on this Mm -hmm. account uh and again i urge the audience once again to you'll see a link uh, at the bottom of this interview so you can sort of peruse some of the points we're talking about as you're listening if you can multitask uh but i want to get into the granular a little bit now as you know kimberly recalled two very distinct, let's just say, uh, scenes that she was scanning from memory. Uh, One was her meeting with a group of beings and connecting and communicating with them in a very unique way. And that was through a form of touch. This is amazing. She describes all of the beings, including herself, she uh, admitted later, as having this a sort of glowing center around the ab- abdomen area. She then tells of how she literally reaches her hand into this glowing center of the other beings, or at least one that she recalled was right in front of her, and she suddenly feels an overwhelming sense of connection. This is where she almost, well, tears of joy, really, in, the, in this sense. It was a beauty she she described. Does this glowing center in the abdomen area, and we can go into more details because she gave me a little bit more, but does this, Mary, correlate with any of the descriptions you've gotten with experience or contact, this glowing area?
1: Not in that way, although most of it appears to be very telepathic, and in uh, in uh, telepathy, the way that they will describe it is more of a a total communion, though, of, of being part of them as well as themselves, and this this mind meld or transfer is holographic in nature. So that all the emotion and the feelings and the senses will be part of that transfer. Mm-hmm. It isn't just an auditory thing. It is, to- and it sounds to me like the kind of being she was. This was a, a connection, maybe to the total being of the other. Uh, uh, being that she, she is part of or she connects to, so that they this is their way of being in communion with one another, which I think sounds absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to recall, I don't have the story right in front of me, but she describes the this glow, and she kept pointing to her abdomen and, and almost was at a loss for words as mm-hmm. to when she put her hand literally uh, penetrating the flesh. Into the center. She describes the center as sort of having a whitish, uh, no color necessarily, but a whitish glow to it. And there was a lot of energy in it. Mm-hmm. But then she says, I recall feeling sort of a center inside of the center, which was almost like a little, oh, uh, it was harder. It had a little bit of a harder texture mm-hmm. to it. And it seemed like when she actually made connection with that, that everything, uh, there was just so much love, she she described mm-hmm um you know what else comes to mind i think of uh, obviously the movie avatar and Mm. i i have i've only seen it uh, once but i do recall that there was a a situation where the beings and i I can't think of any of the character names but especially the main characters they were when they were connecting with the Mm. animals Mm. um you know the flying. The audience is going to laugh because I'm sure there are a lot of Avatar fans. I don't remember what they were, but do you do you recall? Did you see that movie where they c- would connect uh, the t- their tail? Yes, and, yes, and, and pl- almost plug and in. That's right. Yeah, um,
1: and I think that that is a brilliant movie. I've seen it a number of times, mm-hmm. and my sense is that what that was showing us is if we only realized it, that we are connected to everything. And, and the way they were doing it in a very tangible way yes. was they were connecting to all consciousness, even though it was different in, in form to themselves. So that there was literally a communi- uh, communion, if you like, between the different... Species and, and frequencies from plants to animals and That's what have right. you. Yeah. Which I was, see. yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think communion is a great word. And as I recall uh Kimberly telling me, describing the situation, I would say it was a communion of sorts. It absolutely wasn't. You know, it's interesting, and this is where we'll get into where she later admitted to me that she believed herself to be one of these beings. I said to her, Did you have this glowing center yourself? And she paused for a little bit and she said, Well, Yes, I did. I had the glowing center as well. So, you know, there weren't a lot of details about that particular, uh, there were two scenes that she was sort of witnessing, uh, I would say holographically. Um, and, and, you know, that was really kind of the main part of it. She did talk a little bit about where she thought she was. She didn't necessarily think it was a craft that she was on as her, according to her understanding of what a craft would be. She talked about it as I, I didn't see it as mechanical or it didn't feel mechanical. So I don't, we don't know whether she was on a craft or not. But other than talking about their, uh, the, the connection with the, the center, um, their appearance, which I want to get into a little bit, uh, a little bit later. Um, and, oh, you know, her sense, of course, that she was one of them. Uh, There wasn't too much more detail other than that, but I want to move on because we're going to maybe go back and forth a little bit. This was the other scene. During the regression, Kimberly tells of the witnessing of the dramatic collision of planets and the destruction, the combustion of these planets. She describes being right there to witness this destruction. Not, I, I asked her, were you on one of these planets? And she said, no, 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 but I was right in front of them. I was right watching them. I, I couldn't even imagine being so close from that perspective. And she, she said she was witnessing something magnanimous as she described it, but it was so sad. In fact, while in the regression, this is where she uh, was reported to have broken down in tears. And even as she's recalling the story to me, she again got emotional. And this I found interesting, of course, but very moving. Uh, according to some of the testimony, again, going, going back to your some of the people that you've regressed, mm. uh, have you been witness to anything like this in terms of planetary collision or, you know, seeing things from a perspective of... Uh, from
1: that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what it brings to mind um, and what... I have come to understand when you access the subconscious, superconscious, is um, as a soul, we are in many forms and we experience many different things. And I remember particularly a young graphic artist t- uh, telling me he was seeing himself as an extraterrestrial. And I said to him, uh, so what, it, what is it that's happening? And he said, um, this is amazing. He said, we're moving something huge from one dimension to another. And I said, what do you mean, something huge? And he said, it's a planet. Mm-hmm. We're moving one planet to another dimension. He said, but we've done it too quickly, and it's messed up its energy, and now we've got to fix it. Now, he was a graphic uh, artist, so he was able to draw what he was seeing. And, and the, the sense that some of these intelligences have the ability to move and, and alter planets um, in itself is a quite an incredible concept
0: sure and quite amazing.
1: Um, so, you know, these are the some of the things. Um, some have, have felt they've been creators um, and they've gone to other planets and seeded other planets, for example. And what I would have, um, if I'd been working with this particular lady where she was viewing this destruction, part of her would know why she was, um, perceiving that, why she was needing to perceive that from mm-hmm. a, what I would call her subconscious or higher self. And my question would be is why is it important for you to remember that? What is it about remembering that that you, you, you know, you, um, you've needed to recall right now? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's telling her something. Everything you experience with your subconscious is telling you something. And if you don't understand it from one level, then you ask from another level. So because that isn't just an, um, what I would call, uh, um, you know, one of these just uh, random things. Right. The fact that her subconscious was showing her that meant it was important. It was important to her on some level. And that would be the question that I would have wanted is, why is that important now? Why do you, you know, have you wanted, why does your subconscious show you that at this moment in time?
0: That's an excellent question. And I recall your initial comments, you you had said that. And, you know, I think, too, again, we're talking 30 years ago. Um, I, I, you know, she describes the, this particular regressionist is being very unassuming and, and I'm sure quite good, but I I got the sense that he had never witnessed anything like this before. And I think he was being a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit shy about saying it, but you know, I, I think it, it freaked her out. It freaked mm-hmm. him out. I should say the regression mm-hmm. didn't expect mm-hmm. this to happen. So yeah. I agree he could have gone a bit deeper and really gotten her to put it in a bit more context. I agree with you wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, well, I have to tell you, she's not necessarily adverse to being regressed again. Maybe we mm-hmm. can have a discussion with that offline with you offline. But, uh, but anyway, I, you know, so it, again, we're talking about two particular events one being in the presence of a group of beings and by the way when she she then sort of switched the scenes and went back to the planets colliding i had asked her if she was alone or with the other beings and she said no she believed herself to be alone so i don't know what that might we're left to obviously obviously speculate as to what the purpose of her seeing these uh these this massive collision was but Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about the description of these beings. It's also quite interesting and clearly in correlation with some of what has been described, based on what I've heard, as the tall whites. She describes the beings as being quite tall, at least six foot five, very slender, pale white, and skin texture to be almost uh, satiny or velvety. She described them as soft, almost like dolphin skin. And I've I've heard some mention of that relative to the dolphins. Um, That's how she described it. In fact, she described the whole environment as being soft and muted. She described them as being like light. Now, I know you had mentioned, um, uh, had commented based on that description and had uh, maybe thought that they were light beings. But again, there seems to be sort of a a blurring of uh, description when we're talking about these beings. They seem to be all coming from some fundamental thing, don't you think? Maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead.
1: Continue. Um, for me, the descriptions are fascinating because what is hard to explain sometimes to those that are not aware of, of this whole phenomena is often beings will mask their true nature to start with because if they feel in some way you're going to get scared, they will mute their appearance until they feel you're ready to see them in their true form. Just like, you know, when, when you're a child, um, for example, one of the screen memories for the grey beings is seeing um, or being fearful of clowns or Santa Claus or owls with big eyes. These are often screens for the beings. They will show you something you're familiar with, but part of you, if you're scared, you find yourself scared of them or wary of them, is because part of you knows that's not the true form. There's another form behind it. So when a, ca- a kid is scared of clowns, it's an absolute classic indicator that they might be seeing greys, for example.
0: You know, I just recently heard you make reference to that and it really almost made the hairs rise up on my arm because I thought, my goodness, I personally, I have never had a fear of clowns and I've always thought it quite amusing that so many people I know many adult friends that I know are still afraid of clowns and I have never never put two and two together but it certainly makes so much sense and and Mary I'm I'm also I applaud you for some of the the uh, I, I suppose you would call them theories or ideas that you've come up with I think they're extremely plausible including the screen memories it's one of the first things that stuck with me when I started to look into your work And why that may be, really sort of acclimating the experiencer to whatever they can handle at the time, until there's sort of an unfurling or unpeeling of uh, based on what the person might be able to eventually handle. So those are two very key points. I'd love for you to elaborate on that a little little bit more. Let's talk, if you don't mind. Let's stay on this for a minute because it's really, it's really making me wonder. You're talking about you've regressed close to three thousand or three thousand maybe more at this point. These are just people that have come to you. My gosh, imagine the people that may even be listening uh, today that may be in that camp as well, that are afraid of clowns and don't know why. This is really amazing. This is a big thing. It's telling me that there may be a lot more, maybe millions more that are a part of these interactions. Yes?
1: Um, Alexis, that is the the thing that hit me very much, um, blasted me almost when I realized just how big this could be Mm -hmm. Um, because the truth is so many millions out there do actually not, they actually don't know that they may be having contact and one of the funniest, it's funny in a way because I often get, you know, media coming to me, newspaper reporters, journalists, you know, and, you know, people that want to do a story for a magazine or whatever and I, I know what their preconceptions going to be, you know, of this strange lady that believes in UFOs and all the rest of it. And what is fascinating is one of the things they don't realize is that I'm actually interviewing them more than mm. they're interviewing me. And I deliberately throw out the indicators, such as fear of clowns, always feeling different, you know, feeling you're not from here, Um, maybe waking up at night not being able to move, having nosebleeds. And I throw out the indicators deliberately, and I watch their faces. And you would be amazed at the number of journalists that have left very subdued (laughs) afterwards um, in fact, one young lady, I was doing a, a small piece for a news program and she was doing the audio and she had to leave the room because it, she was being so triggered by what I was saying. She couldn't actually stay in the room any longer. Brilliant. Brilliant.
0: And, <laughs> you know, it's it's like
1: they don't realize how and, and I've got the most brilliant um clip they did a a wonderfully honoring and respectful clip because even the journalist himself sort of looked at me twice and i thought yep got you um i it's sort of like throwing out the fishing line and seeing what's going to happen what is the truth is that this is global this is it, it, it knows no boundaries it doesn't matter whether you're a professor of you know psychiatry or whether or not you are um, a farmer or a little child um, of five if you are going you, to have this, in, uh, these experiences you're going to have them and you may not and most people don't realise how they fit into the encounter they just think of the abduction type sensationalised kind of experience that they see on the television or hear on talk shows with a very highly traumatised individual and all, uh, and that is just a very small part of how this interaction happens. For many, it's not like that at all. For many of them, they're not traumatized, but they've always felt alien on a human planet. They have never felt comfortable. They've never felt like this is home. And their interactions will be completely different. Um, Often they're very loving. Some will see it as spirit guides. They'll say, oh, I've always been aware of seeing the spirit world. I can tune into, um, I, I can communicate with animals or, you know, I know how people are feeling by their emotions. So they're highly intuitive um, and their spirit guides will be more traditional looking or they may suddenly say, you know what, I've got one guide and it doesn't look human and I'll, say, and I'll get them to describe it. And in fact, even just yesterday I spoke to one lady and her guide is a grey ET. And she said he 's always with me, and he helps me, and he supports me and You know we were connected on another planet, so he 's come in as a you know as an interdimensional being to support me this time so there 's no separation; it actually is all part of us waking up to the non physical world, and whether we see it as angels or um fairies or light beings it it comes through the lens of your belief system, so right. if you 're very religious, it may be a light being will appear to you like an angel um, if you 're not religious, it will be a like being um, and this is my point is that we make judgments through our own particular paradigm or Absolutely. a particular belief system, but actually it all is, it all operates in this multi dimensional aspect of our our reality, and the the where i 'm coming from is try not to judge it more but um, connect to what you feel about this form that you 're interacting with, and this young lady. You know, this lady that you, you, you're mentioning, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, how she's interpreting the tall whites are very well known as um, E.T. beings. In fact, Charles Hall in, in the military when he was in the 60s met a lot of the tall whites in um, what we call the, the um, military bases because they apparently had bases there. But they also, the ones that she's talking about, could be what we call light beings as well. And without her tapping in more into that, And getting them to communicate with her, you know, that's what would be the next step Mm -hmm. if if she wanted to, was to actually get them to identify themselves.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think you make such a a potent uh, and poignant uh, point about the idea that people are so insistent on putting their experiences in buckets and labeling and thus separating the experiences. And I'll give you an example with Kimberly. We're going to get a little bit more into some of the other experiences that she's had in this incarnation, if you will. She has had shadow person visits, a number of them. And, you know, she'd never heard that term before when I she started telling me about these experiences in the context of the larger discussion, of course, but she, uh, you know, as I sort of described, because my audience may know, I've done a great deal of uh, research in this area as well, I've interviewed quite a few people on the subject of the shadow person phenomena, which it seems to be ubiquitous, by the way. Um, but as I described, um, sort of a typical, if you will, or a, a prototype, you know, actual prototype, but an average, what a shadow person visit may entail or what they may look like. She's like, no, no, no. I I really kind of thought these were either ghosts or demons, a ghost or a demon. Why? Because of what she has been taught that that is supposed to look like. So I think that really underscores your point incredibly. Um, You know, you really have to wonder, (laughs) it's not really how many have had these experiences, but who hasn't? (laughs) And to what extent, of course. Um, so I, I just find that very, very interesting. Well, you know, before we leave the subject of the, the, the regression itself, because again, as I said, there is equally intriguing experiences that she's had that I think sort of underscore the regression. I want to talk about her voice during this regression. I think, you know, even the most open-minded of us spend at least a little time asking him the question, could this really be, including me? But I have to tell you, the one thing that really got me to thinking about the validity of this case was in how she described her voice, Uh, because, of course, her her initial regression was recorded. She'd had a chance to listen to some of it. She said, in fact, the voice was so frightening, she couldn't listen to the whole thing. Uh, She said everything about it was different. The cadence was different. The pace was different. She sounded more like a male and even described the voice as being sort of machine-like. What are your thoughts, Mary, on this dynamic? And again, I'm probably going
1: to confront a, a lot of people because um, I'm so far down this rabbit hole now. You know, this is sort of my norm. So, um, you know, coming back to where a lot of people are at, what seems to happen is that when someone goes into that space, they're maybe a- um, accessing another aspect of themselves. So if she's going back to a time where she was, not, you know, a non-human she may be accessing the um, the energy of of that that um, part of her, for example, but there 's another thing that can happen too is that when you go into that space and you open yourself up you can, um, what i 've noticed people do and occasionally it 's happened when i 've done regressions and in fact there 's one on YouTube with Peter slattery where his his um, guide comes in and speaks on behalf of the guides wanting Peter to know certain things. So he was coming in to explain things and he would just say, you know, Peter stubborn, he doesn't accept this yet or whatever. So you can call that their higher self, you can call that their super conscious or how a lot would interpret it is their guides may come in and offer information. And, and that is a very common thing that can happen during hypnosis if someone is very uh, intuitive anyway um, they'll be connecting maybe to their guide their spirit guides or their their, you know what i call their non-physical support team and uh, one of them may very well come in because they're open enough and overshadow them which is the term i use when they use when a spirit uses your voice mm-hmm. um, to convey information and it may be that she was overshadowed by another aspect of herself or one of her non-physical support team her guides if you like or Or those that support her from that realm, and giving information—that is why the voice is different. And you know, so however you want to interpret that in your understanding, this is actually quite a common phenomena with individuals: is that they will, because they're open to, um, if you like, they become more of a conduit uh, Mm -hmm. and, and trusting enough to go into that space. It allows these um beings to access them and convey information which is what what could very well have been going on here
0: Mm -hmm. now in terms of let's say it were the latter and that it was uh one of the beings coming in her stead to sort of guide her and and thus the voice change would that be akin to what you've referred to as a walk-in for the moment at least um temporarily in in a way it's it's the walk-in, of course,
1: in terms of, the, I understand the walk-in phenomena is when the soul literally comes in and stays. So one soul walks out and another soul walks in and takes over the mandate, if you like, dealing with any of the other issues the other soul has left behind and also because they, there's, there appears to be a kind of soul agreement that they will um, inhabit that body for X number of years, they'll have done what they needed to achieve. And because it's a very good physical container, okay, now you can have the container because I don't need it anymore. Hmm. Seems to be the way that the normal understanding of walking is. But this I I call more of an overshadowing. Mm -hmm. It's um, although I will say that and this is going to take people into another area which they can do with how they they choose to, is that people have told me that they've gone up on the craft and sometimes have gone into one of the ET containers for a while and sometimes the the ET soul will come into their physical form for a short while while they do certain jobs. And that is another kind of, if you like, walk-in But um, I've had an eight-year-old tell me this is what happened to him when he goes up on the craft. His family are mantid beings, which Mm. is like an insect manta. Um, And he said he sometimes evaporates into the mantid form. And the the, uh, soul that inhabits the mantid will perhaps go into his physical form and experience what it's like to be human for a short time and then they will transfer back again. Mm-hmm. This is not the only time I've heard this, I might add. This happens or they just their their body is just vacated for a short while and maintained until they moved back into their physical form again.
0: Yeah. I'm familiar with the the story of the eight year old that you you've told several times. I think that's amazing. And you've also correlated it, I believe to a gentleman by the name of Simon park from the UK who uh, as well believes his family uh, to be uh, part of his family to be the, the manted And I believe this is the same individual, the two individuals that you've described, uh, vacating their bodies and agreeing to sort of uh, experience the manted form as well. So that's absolutely fascinating. You know, it seems that everyone is correlating everyone else or corroborating, I should say, uh, everyone else's story. There's just really way too much evidence for those of us who have not had a definitive experience that can be consciously remembered. And I think that's a big thing. I think we really have to take a look at the the, the just the breadth and the scope of the evidence that we're seeing anecdotally. um, And really just take another look at this. This is really something well, you know, the time is really flying. I'm looking at the clock. We're, we may be able to go a little bit over, but I really want to get into what I'm going to call, uh, based on part two of the, the account of, uh, of Kimberly, and that is some of the other experiences that she's had. We've talked a little bit about the dream uh, encounter and the shadow being visits, <clears throat> but I want to talk about... Her sightings, uh, you know, it seemed Mm -hmm. I had to ask, you know, have you ever seen a craft? And she didn't blink. She answered immediately yes a couple of times. And she began to tell um, of a couple of uh, instances. Uh, The most recent sighting was not that long ago, maybe a few years ago. She'd she'd seen three blue lights while driving on the highway locally. She'd been following them uh, with her eyes and noticed how fast they were moving, not like a regular flying object she'd ever seen. So invariably, this craft descended very quickly into a public field uh, or a park. Very fast, she said. She had even reported this to the police. She, she said she felt like an idiot because she wasn't quite sure what she was reporting. But she went ahead and called just in case something did crash. Um, and she said that although at the time she was on a well-traveled road with a fair amount of traffic at the time, no one else seemed to notice it. She even looked. Everyone was just driving along as normal. So she was intrigued by it. She was intrigued by the whole scene. And I've heard of this kind of thing before, where experiencers uh, will have uh, subsequent um, sightings, and perhaps that these sightings are only seen by them, even though it appears that it is in a a broader area where other people could see them. What are your thoughts about that?
1: And it's a very good point, and it's the problem with people being believed sometimes, mm-hmm. unless they're with a, a two or three other people that are seeing it at the same time and saying, look, it wasn't just me. I believe that those that, who often have had encounters or not even remembered them are uh, often shown craft as a step to, the, to them waking up, if you like, a way of saying, hold on, look, we're here, and we may very well be connected to you, so we want you to start looking at this. And I think it's like everything else with the intuitive abilities, the psychic abilities. It's like a dog can hear things we can't hear. Mm -hmm. I believe experiences and and those that are intuitives can see a broader spectrum of our reality. And they're able to perceive um, more than the rest of us. But I also believe that, you know, um, it will be um, especially for them Mm that the craft has come in. And it's saying, hi, we're here. Mm -hmm. It's time you started looking at us because we've got something to do with you. And it's almost like, you know, a hi. And it gets people to think, you know, why that... And and when I get reported a sighting to me, not that I actually deal with sightings as such, I deal with people who have encounters, I will say to them, okay, you know... I will do the standard, what does it look like, you know, did anyone else see it, what time was it, what camera, all those kind of things. And then I'll say, have you ever had any unusual experiences? And I do that deliberately, and I will always send them the questionnaire Mm -hmm. because they don't know, like I do, that often when you see something, there's often been a download, there's maybe more happened and they haven't realized it. I ask them if there's been any time anomaly because there may be a lot more that went on that they did not understand or realize from a conscious level. So they get the lot, they get the questionnaire, and they get, did you feel different afterwards? Because all those things suggest there was more than just a sighting, even if they can't remember it. Sure.
0: That seems i've pondered that uh, Mary so much in terms of again these other even semi anomalous experiences that may to the experience or not even resemble to them based on how they would think a quote abduction or you know yeah. contact experience should be, whether again we're using this sort of screen memory where you 're only given enough to consciously recall so a you 're not frightened or maybe you 're just not ready. Ah. To know the full extent of, of, of what actually took place. And of course, this brings up the notion of missing time, or, you know, accelerated time in some cases, just to sort of the time is off kilter, um, that maybe you were gone longer than you think, or maybe the sighting was longer than you think. So there are a lot of variables to this. This is quite complex, I think. I think this is,
1: you know, whenever you think that you've got a handle on it, new information comes in and you realize you really haven't got a handle on it at all, that you're literally just joining the dots. And I just think the
0: dots keep going. They sure do. Oh, they sure do. I think they're infinite, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you, you know, again, I, I think I had heard you say that, uh roughly every six minutes there is some sort of a sighting that we know of that may, perhaps is reported. Was that you? I think that that made yes. that statement. Yeah, that's a lot. Do you believe, and I've asked this question to other guests in the past that whatever we consider this veil to be the veil between dimensions, if you will, between us and perhaps everything else, do you feel it may be thinning right now? Hence the my, for, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: Uh,
1: What I, uh, uh, and this is where, when I give um, presentations now, I try and paint a very broad brush. Rather than going into specifics around this, I'm trying to to show my research really ultimately is about human consciousness. It's about the human family waking up to Mm -hmm. who they really are. And the only way that can happen is... You know, it can happen in numerous ways depending on the individual soul. For example, for some people, they start to explore more of the greater reality after losing someone really close to them. Mm -hmm. Or they may have had a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience or they may have seen a craft. All of these are triggers. And what I'm seeing now is that people that have been in very conventional lives may have... And it's happened recently more and more than... You would be amazed at... Every day, you know, um, I'm getting thirty or forty emails, and a a good uh, number of them are people that are saying, "Look, I've experienced this, this, and this. Does this? What does this mean? You know, am I going crazy or whatever?" Mm -hmm. And and this is huge compared to twenty years ago, where I might get one a week or two a week, for example. Mm -hmm. And these people, when they have this, it changes their lives to the point where nothing they've done prior to that has made makes any sense anymore. Yeah. And, and some of these individuals really struggle, and they're the ones usually the more highly educated struggle the most because they've been so programmed into the third dimensional consensus reality that anything outside of that makes them think they're crazy. And I've got on my books scientists, I've got lawyers, I've got psychiatrists, I've got psychologists, I've got wow. doctors, nurses, social workers, and they're the ones that struggle the most because their programming is such the, the, you know, the modern psychology is saying, you know, if you can't touch, feel and see and smell it, then it ain't real. So if you're seeing things or hearing voices or any of that, you've got to be crazy. And the trouble is that what, you know, is part of the reason, you know, you, talk, you talked about getting angry. The reason I get angry is that I know there are many, many people now. That are medicated. That's right. That, are, ple- that um, are to be honest, just experiencing a greater reality, and it's not understood. So it is seen as a dysfunction, rather than the fact that we are accelerating in our awareness now. And there are so many indicators. Uh, even the very sun's frequencies are part of this upgrade. Absolutely. And this is, you know, I know that you understand this. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, we're reaching, uh, I think, a very a tipping point, mm-hmm. where I think once we've got a certain percentage of the planet that are awake and know there's a greater reality. And then I think there's going to be this huge shift, and it's going to be major, but it has to happen because we've got so many dysfunctions on this planet right now. Absolutely. I think it, we have to change, and we have to start acknowledging we're part of everything. And, you know, quantum physics is saying that. It's yes. saying that we're connected to everything you know, and and so it's time.
0: Beautifully said. Perfectly said. I had a feeling your answer would be uh, in the affirmative about the veils fitting. So we have to talk. I'm sure we'll talk again offline. But I, I concur wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, my my most recent book, uh, Conscious Musings, I have a chapter devoted to uh, the dichotomy of consciousness and the precipice of change, which highlights exactly that: that we are literally in this state of dichotomy, which which may be an indicator of that precipice. A, di- a dichotomy in terms of attitude, and in terms of you know whether it's a very myopic view that people are. Uh, holding on to relentlessly or this this epiphany of greater consciousness all both of these things are heightened now so there's a tipping point that we're getting to so great I agree wow so much so many dimensions to this to this story and that's why I wanted to bring Kimberly's story to the to the fore because it really touches on so many other not just anomalies but the state of affairs of what we're going through uh, as a human family and our connection to the to the broader family uh, well, speaking of broader family, you know, we, we've got to touch a little bit, Mary, on the idea of hybrid beings being on this planet right now. And, you know, Kimberly admitted she she admitted to me not just uh, in, uh, because of the dream that she had and waking from the dream saying, now I know they're here. She admitted that she'd really had that sense for quite some time. And that she, in fact, feels that she's been in the presence of some of these hybrid beings and can actually identify them. I am so anxious to get your thoughts on this. My husband and I have talked about this. We, too, question, you know, whether that may be happening. And some of the people that we've met that that are questionable. What are your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) Oh I think there's no doubt that they are roaming this planet and many of them are um sense it even if they're not fully aware of it and and part of the their the question to me will be look I think I'm a hybrid you know um I feel very connected to a particular species and it can be whether it's a gray even reptilian or it can be you know the man or whatever and they will say you know part of me really relates more to that and I used to call that a dual consciousness, where part, and th- part human and part ET. Hybrid is another another term for it. But what my research is suggesting is that we actually, the human races are a hybrid. We are a mix mm. of, some believe and some research is suggesting, at least 12 different species. Mm-hmm. But we may have a greater um, preponderance of one particular species, for example, whether it's a mantid, whether it's a feline. Some believe they're hybrid um, cat being, lion being, type beings as well. And it's interesting how they will see their behavior different depending on what part of that aspect of themselves they, t- they tap into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very confusing um, until they start to understand. And this is where, you know, we talk about the star beings what my regressions particularly have, have thrown up, apart from some of them being fully conscious of this, is where they come from. And when you've got children talking about this, and I've got children that know where they're from, they will say, "I'm, you know, from Sirius," or "I'm from Orion," or "I'm from Arcturus." I've got teenagers telling me they know where they're from and why they've come into. Um, this human form and you know they will mention either you know one a a particular star system and they will say on that planet this is what I used to do and I've come here to help with the awakening of the planet for example and when you've got children saying this I mean you know six and seven year olds um, and teenagers you know and these may be and some of them are you know young men you young men are on the computers you know playing computer games and um, looking at girls, these, these guys are building pyramids, looking at crystals and speaking their star language from where their origins are. That's amazing. Now, this, yes. this is not normal kind of behavior, but this is who is contacting me. And their understanding of the other realms, their understanding of their star family is very detailed and very profound. And so for me, it's, yeah, this planet we've got humanoids that are walking on this planet other from other places who are extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. We've got shape shifters. We've got hybrids. We've got interdimensionals. We've got those that I believe live under the surface. Um, We've got potentially time travelers as well. Some visiting us from the future because time and space as the way I understand it is a third dimensional construct. So this is the matrix of my understanding now and, and what they're all saying is it's time humanity woke up mm-hmm. and realized who they are and and why they've incarnated at this time, which is a crucial point in our evolution as a species to und- and becoming part of what they say is the galactic community
0: mm. that's a lot of that's a lot of um evidence to me. do you feel that there may Mary be one defining moment one Oh, acute. I'm sure you've been asked this before. I I know you have. A lot of people in this research have been asked, you know, we call it disclosure. I don't know that I think of it in in, in disclosure in the way it's been described, but I I don't know. I sort of look at it as sort of an arc of revelation that it happens over time and then maybe there will be some growth spurts. But how do you feel? Do you think that there may be just an irrefutable uh, defining moment where it, you know, it can't be ignored anymore? Or will it be more gradual?
1: Um, I think it's, it's what I'm seeing is certainly a process of awakening now exponentially um, in terms of people who um, realize that there was more to their lives than they ever realized. And that's been a process. If you're asking for the government um, or any government to stand up and say, look, they're here, I doubt very much that'll ever happen because they've got too much to lose. And by saying that, because they already know they're here, um, and a lot of our technologies today are because of reverse-engineered technology of crash craft that's happened over the last you know, century or more, where they have reverse-engineered it from the digital chip to fiber optics to all the rest of it. And as soon as people realize that they've been lied to and uh, over you know many many years now and saying why wasn't this technology made available to humanity and we're still using fossil fuels when we could have yeah. free energy are going to get pretty pissed off yeah so right. they're not going to put themselves in that kind of place But I think disclosure is going to come from the people. I think the people waking up, they're going to reach a point where they're saying, we're no longer going to pretend this isn't going on for us. And actually, the organization of FREE, which is the foundation for research into extraterrestrial encounters, we're going to have what we call a a coming-out experience a day Mm. in October. And that whole idea is people finally being prepared to say, yep, this has been happening to me. And I think when enough people um, are prepared to own the truth, then I think it was, it's like, you know, when did people accept that the earth wasn't flat? Right. It, you know, it, <laughs> one was that, that one defining moment. I don't know if there was, but I will say that there are a number of people that have said they sense some event, something coming that will change the paradigm. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's, this is part of the waking up to a point where there's enough people ready to accept the truth, And that that will actually trigger an event, whatever that event can be. And there's all sorts of theories around that. Um, I don't know what to believe other than I honor the fact there's a a lot of people contacting me that talk about something in the next few years Mm -hmm. that will be crucial to this this waking up of humanity.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, too, have heard that. You know, I just interviewed recently, a woman by the name of Sharon Milstein, who uh, has, for the second time, done a forecast uh, by the numbers. She's a numerologist, and I love her approach because it's equally philosophical with an individual sort of philosophy as well as brilliance in numerology. But she talked about this being, uh, according to numerology, the eight-year. You know, we take the sum total Mm -hmm. of the, the, the 2015 and add that, those compound numbers, bring it down to a single digit, and there you have your year. Well, as she explained it, and as those that follow numerology sure know, that the cycles go in nine, what you know, one through mm-hmm. nine. So it stands to reason that if we're in the eight year, that would make twenty sixteen the nine year and aha, we start all over again in this cycle, which would tell me that somewhere between that uh really now and before mm-hmm. we start again it, it, it could be that we see something significant, integral, um, mm. before that next cycle starts. There's so many different ways of approaching it. And I think a lot of it has to do with feeling, as I talk so much about uh, how do we feel. People really know if they tap in uh, rather than out. <laughs> I think mm. we can kind of sense that there is something big going on. And that's something maybe quite brilliant, quite good. So. Well, listen, we're we're running running out of time, but you know, there's one more thing I I do want to bring up uh, in terms of Kimberly's account, and that is this this is also fascinating to me. We may need to take a few minutes on this. This is about when her twin boys uh, she had twins uh, was pregnant at 24. She was pregnant with them when she had the regression. As a matter of fact, when they were quite young, she'd been living in a home uh, where their bedroom afforded this beautiful sky view and she'd allow the blinds to be kept open in the boys room so they could have a wonderful view of the stars at night. She told me that out of the blue one night during this time, she woke up in a panic out of the blue frightened that if she left the blinds open, that the boys would be abducted by aliens. And she used the word abducted that she herself Mm. questioned where this was coming from. And she said to me that she hadn't at the time consciously uh, been recalling the regression experience But this was a very clear fear for her. So she immediately shut the windows, closed the blinds for fear her kids would be taken. And they were like, Mom, why are you closing the blinds all of a sudden? Or however they, you know, they were concerned because, you know, mom always Mm. leaves the the blinds open. Do you think possibly, Mary, that she had some sort of a recall? And moreover, there's a two part question. Might this tell you about her children? Could it be possible that they could be hybrids? This is a big one. I know this is a stretch, but I have to tell you, the idea crossed my mind. I mean, we talk about star children, hybrids, etc. It's very interesting.
1: Well, the, a very important two points. The fact that intuitively she got a sense that they might be picked up was, even though she didn't know why she felt that and didn't understand really about the whole contact thing, shows absolutely that on some level she knew, mm-hmm. but she wasn't conscious of it. And this is really interesting because so many people who have experiences, until they get over the fear side, will set, will not want to go to sleep that night because they feel they're going to be picked up. They don't know why they feel it, but they'll just have a sense that they're going to be picked up. And, you know, I've had you know people staying awake all night to prevent them being picked up. So the fact that she felt that and sensed it meant that she absolutely did know, um, but didn't know how she knew. Mm-hmm. Because the conscious mind wasn't ready to accept that she actually understood how it, how it works, and she got a sense of it. So in that sense, it just says to me she's absolutely an experiencer. Yes. I mean, there's you know there's there's no doubts in my mind. Yeah. The thing too that um, you know we talk about the star seeds and whatever is that that with the children and knowing about the children is that the children will be having experiences too. This is intergenerational. Mm-hmm. So each mm-hmm. generation, and I always check. When someone comes to me, I'll say, you know, any of your parents or grandparents were always a bit different? Or, and they'll say, oh, you know, my, my grandmother was always a bit unusual or a bit different or whatever. And I think, yep, yeah, so it's come down the grandmother line. Mm-hmm. Um, because they would be seen as different or a bit strange or a bit fay, as they say in Scotland, you know, if they're a bit um, psychic. Oh, yeah, my mum my was really, so she used to read the tea leaves or something or other. Um, so you, you'd often get some very psychic um, link with, with a member of the family um, down the genetic lines, maybe one or both sides, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, and the parents may or may not also, um, you know, be aware that they've had stuff going on. But if, if, without question, the children will be involved
0: yeah. because it's
1: each, one, each generation is an upgrade.
0: Right. That's a very good point. And yet, on the other hand, I think you've got the whole cornucopia, Mary, because on the other hand, you may have, let's say, a a child in a family who doesn't feel they fit in the family, because they're having experiences that are that are out of context with the the, the style of the family. So I think you've got the gamut. I think you're right. I, I, I see both sides. Oh, boy. (laughs) I feel like this is just the beginning. I think it is just the beginning, frankly. And in that regard, I think we need to have you back (laughs) for sure. Well, before we close, Mary, is there anything else you'd like to add in conclusion about this absolutely intriguing account and equally intriguing discussion? What might we take from this?
1: I think what we need to take from this is if any of this resonates with you or any of it intrigues you and you feel yourself drawn to this information, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So go into that, that space, that, that quiet space on your own and start to just ask questions of that part of you that knows and say, look, you know, I, this, this, why am I interested in this? Why does this intrigue me? Why does it resonate with me? And just listen to what response you get from that other part of yourself because you may find out that there's more to you than you ever believed.
0: Oh, so beautifully said. That is wonderful. And we're going to assume that uh, at least a portion of our audience are going to ask themselves that question and they're going to want to find you. So where might they find you online and get in touch with you?
1: Well, just Google Mary Rodwell
0: um, and my
1: website comes up, which is a the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network. Um, that, you know, there's lots of YouTube um, interviews as well with, with that I've done presentations, but really just Google and it, it will all come up for you. You know, you just have to uh, don't put Mary Roswell, please, <laughs> even though I know I have a name that's very similar. Sure it do. is Rodwell.
0: R-O-D as in David, W-E-L-L. That's interesting. I never even really thought of that. But (laughs) Mary Rodwell, what a pleasure. What a pleasure to talk with you. You are just a, a walking encyclopedia and a repository of necessary information. So thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Alexis. Take care. Vivid Dreams, Accelerating Psychic Ability shadow person visits and yes even the fear of clowns all may be hinting that we are interacting with a reality that's far more multidimensional than we could have ever imagined mary insists that we explore this uncharted territory without fear but with conviction i urge you to visit mary rodwell's website to learn more about her work at the australian close encounter research network If you found this interview interesting, you may also want to check out my previous interview with Barbara Lamb, as we discussed ET experiences, hybrid beings, and the abduction phenomenon. I thank you for listening to this episode of Conscious Inquiry. I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.